evening, everyone. Welcome back to another Evermore podcast. Your Evermore podcast on now the Evermore YouTube channel. As we've changed, as me and Mark said on Monday, we've rebranded. It's a back three tonight. I'm Chris, your host. I'm joined by the Lynch man. And he's not Brazilian. He didn't cost 40 million, but we think he's fucking brilliant. It's Mark. He's joining us again tonight. How are you, lads? <laughs> oh, mate, I'm good, thanks. How are you, mate? Very good. I had to set them up for a good intro there, Lynch man. It's been a while since he's been on the pod, hasn't it? I had to line them up. <laughs> he has. We're good to have you back, Mark, mate. Thank you. Dragging him away from his staff computer for a bit of chat tonight. So we've got loads to cover tonight, lads, as always. Obviously, we're live. Come jump in the comments. Let us know what you think about the topics we want to discuss. We'd love to have a bit of chat with you. And if you've just joined us for the first time, please consider liking and subscribing. We're looking to smash that 300 subscriber mark. We're currently on 246, I think. So thanks to all those new subs. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, just come on board for some quality Newcastle United content. So let's get stuck right into it, lads. We're going to look at the Liverpool review. Obviously, we covered Liverpool. Well, we went to Liverpool at the weekend. Me and the Lynch man were there. Mark, you were watching the TV. James, I'm coming to you first, mate. Uh, obviously, apart from the esteemed company you had next year in the crowd, mate, how did you feel the game went? <laughs> well, the company was the best thing about the day, wasn't it, really? Uh, look, it was, it was a fairly disappointing performance overall, I thought. We didn't offer a, a great deal going forward. Uh, I can't remember Alisson having to make any notable saves apart from that that long-range effort from, from Bruno at the end. But they were just far too good for us on the day. Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't think we, we had any chance of, of getting anything from this game. I know some people did fancy our chances, maybe got a little bit carried away with the previous home um, performances. But they're just on a, on a whole other level to us, aren't they? I thought they were, they were very comfortable throughout, even after making several several changes. They, they hardly got out of second gear, really. And if it hadn't been for Dubravka, um, they could have easily had, had two or three more, let's be fair. I mean, Mane had two guilt-edged chances. The one in the second half, which which Gomez went to him in front of Gallagher, uh, I, I don't know how he missed that, uh, How he missed that, to be honest with you. And if it hadn't been for some, some good tracking back from Matty Target uh, late in the second half, um, putting, putting Salah under pressure, it, it could have been another one as well. So, yeah, look, they were... They were well deserving of that win, I thought, on the whole. We just didn't really lay a glove on them, it has to be said. Um, but it did feel like we were getting nothing from Andrew Mariner. I mean, you were saying that all afternoon, Chris. Look, I'm not disputing their goal. I think at the time, I mean, you did think it should have been disallowed when we were at the ground. But after seeing the replay back, it was a perfectly fine challenge in my eyes. But look, the 50-50s, the little niggly tackles here and there, the referee just kept blowing and blowing in their favour. And I just felt he completely deflated the crowd by doing that. And we just couldn't couldn't get going, really. We couldn't really get into a rhythm. And um, I, I know Miggy had a few good chances and he did put one in the back of the net in the first half. Uh, we all celebrated. We thought it was in, but he, he was a mile offside, wasn't he? And, and that just summed up this whole afternoon, really. We all know Liverpool play, play a very high line. Eddie Howe would have known that. And I don't know why he, didn't, he wasn't telling Almir on this beforehand because he wasn't making those runs at the right time consistently getting caught offside. I think, again, I just summed up this all afternoon. Very, very frustrating. But look, overall, we, 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 can't, we can't be too upset. We didn't disgrace ourselves by any means. They are a phenomenal team. They're still on for the quadruple after winning last night. Um, there's no shame at all in being beaten by this Liverpool side. Absolutely not, mate. Mark, how did you feel it went as well when you were watching the TV? Obviously, being in the ground, it's like a different perspective, isn't it, to, to watching the TV? I think when we came out, me and you had a chat, and we had two different uh, ideas of how the game played out, didn't we, mate? Yeah, I, I mean, my first first thought was taxi would say, yeah, that was a that was a brilliant challenge. It wasn't a foul um, uh, on Shaw from Milner, because I knew what would what would come out if you hadn't seen the, the replay of it. Um, I think James is 
hit the nail on the head. They really lay a glove on Liverpool. Liverpool never really had to get out of second gear, but it was it was a, a solid performance. It wasn't there wasn't much going forward, but they they kept Liverpool at, at bay for a lot. Um, first half, I, I genuinely worried for for Target at first. I thought he was he did look like he was struggling very early on, but but grew into the game and got got much much better. And second half, he was he was excellent. Um, brilliant show from Dubravka. He's obviously he has that in him, doesn't he? Where you know everything seemed to to just hit him, or he, he was pulling off those saves. So that that was good to see. Um, and yeah, it was. I think it was it was just interesting to see that it wasn't, you know, performance that you've seen previously, like the Spurs game, for example, where it got away from from Newcastle, and it was it was much more. Well, we'll keep it tight and we'll we'll keep them close, and then we might just get something in this one. And there were times when we looked later on a little bit of a wayward pass from from Bruno towards the end that might have just unlocked the door. Um, and, and I agree with James completely that that high line is vulnerable. Um, you've only got to go back 12 months or so to, to watch how Villa rampaged through that 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 back line at, at times. And there is vulnerability there. They are very good, though. Uh, let's not take anything you know away from that. They are an exceptional football side. Um, and it was just it was hang in there and, and see what, what you could get. Um, so yeah, it was not toothless, as I saw some people say. I, I thought that was a bit of a harsh comment. I just think Liverpool are such a good side that they didn't allow them to to get into the, those those really good positions often. I, I will say just quickly, quick, yeah. just just quickly there. Sorry, Chris. I, I think t- tactically, how I got this wrong. Wood should have started this game for me. I'm not really sure why he didn't play this game, seeing as though he got his rest against Norwich. Look, I'm not saying we would have won the game if Chris Wood had started but he would have at least offered us a different outlet. I mean, Maximin had a dreadful game. I'm sure you're probably going to come on to say that, Chris. He's completely oh, yes. ineffective. He's completely ineffective when he plays up front. I mean, how many times did we say that under Bruce? He, Maxi's a winger. He's not a forward. He never has been, never will be. And look, I think Wood did come on around the 70-minute mark from what I remember, and we looked a little bit more threatening then. But yeah, look, overall, I was I was disappointed, but not completely surprised. And I think if you were to take any positives out of the game, you would have to say probably Matty Target and Dan Byrne were brilliant. And they really stepped up uh, up in this game. It's just a shame that the others around them didn't really offer too much. No, absolutely. Just before we get stuck in, we've got some comments in there. I think, uh, yeah, Mike said there, I thought we played too defensively. Happy to sit back and concede the space. I would like to have seen us move on the front foot. Definitely, Mike. And I think we've got to say hello to Mark Lazenby, who's joined us from uh, Lanzarote as well tonight. So uh, great to have you on board, Mark. I'm pretty sure you've got Mark, nice well to have you on board. <laughs> I mean, but you better have nicer well than we have. And Dan's hoping you have fun as well, mate. But yeah, j- just my take on it. Very similar to obviously James. I was we were sitting in the Melbourne watching it. You know, very good view from from your seats there, James. And and we could see. I mean, ASM in particular, he was having one of them games where nothing was going from. Everything was bouncing off him. Everything he tried didn't work. His touch was heavy. His movement was poor. Uh, Liverpool had him just easily scouted. I mean, he was. You're not going to skip by Virgil Van Dijk or Matip like that or, or Gomez like that. You're not going to do that. And when he's in a game like that and when he's playing like that, he's more of a liability than he is an asset, in my opinion. I'd have hooked him. I'd have hooked him much earlier. Um, you know, and and put somebody else on. I thought Shelby was 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 all right, but he was blowing. Uh, he burnt himself out very quickly. There was one point where he charged the keeper, and me and James looked at each other and I thought, Jesus Christ, what happened there? But he was blowing after that. You know, I thought Longstaff could have come on earlier. 
uh, and maybe shorter that midfield a little bit. But as you say, lads, saying that, you know, this is one of the best teams in the world. Arguably could go to one of the best teams ever, you know, in terms of what, what they achieve in the game. You know, their second string side would walk into our first team. You know, even James Milner, who was getting stick from some of the fans and saying he was collecting his bus pass and stuff. He had a brilliant game, you know, and he was playing up against, you know, Bruno is one of the most exciting young midfielders in the league. He played very, very well. You know, some of the decisions, as we said, in, in the crowd were a little bit, you know, we were contesting them. But when you looked at them on a the TV afterwards, it was pretty clear you know, from a different perspectiveness that, you know, we had no chance really in it. But I thought Liverpool coasted through the game in second gear. I thought they could have stepped it up at any time. Um, credit to the target and burn, though, I'm, I'm with you there, James. I think every time I watch them two play, they just make me feel at ease. Even when they're marking the best player in the world, arguably, with, with Mo Salah when he came on. And that moment when he put the burners on, I did shit myself a little bit. And uh, my target did get back and recover quite well. And the uh, Bravko was a bit more at it, I think, in this game in terms of his shot stopping ability but I think we did talk about it in the stand James Dubravka is a great shot stopper but his distribution is really poor Mark just bringing you in here as a former keeper distribution has got to be something a keeper has to provide now in the modern game isn't it yeah it absolutely is the the other thing that worries me about Dubravka is his starting position it's so deep He's not on his toes enough. He's not far enough forward. So when those balls come out, you see the likes of Allison are, are ready to go and, and sweep up. And that's essentially what you what you want the, the modern goalkeeper to be doing. But equally, he's just not comfortable on the ball. And we've seen that a number of times already this season um, where he's just not able to, to play sometimes the simplest of passes um, in, in a straight line five yards to another Newcastle defender. So... It is as good as he is, and I'll come back to my my bugbear of yeah, he's a great shot stopper. That should be bare minimum, um, and and it does annoy me. So you you can have that in your locker, but you've got to now you have to be able to do the other things, and he he, he just doesn't have that level to him. Got to play. He's got to play, isn't he? Just a couple of comments there from Jeff. We've got Talksport yesterday evening said how he needs to be bolder against the top teams. Interesting. The same station said they loved. Uh, the love James, uh, sorry, Steve Bruce as well. Uh, Keith Hackett reckoned the challenge on Shaw was a foul. Um, uh, maybe it was a bit of a heavy challenge, but I think it was more of a 50-50 in all fairness. And I think uh, Milne had every right to go for it. I think Mark's banged a comment in there saying some like Dean Henderson. Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. You know, we, we've talked about him before in the pod, Mark, 100%. I think he would be a really good fit, modern day keeper. And uh, Mike's saying it wasn't a foul by Milner on Shaw. He got the ball first. And it, you know, I think in the crowd, it looked very different, didn't it, James? You know, but but listen, lads, as we said, you know, these this is one of the best teams on the planet, you know, so we can't be too down. Thankfully, we're not going at these games needing points because previously we would have been shit myself looking at the, you know, the fixtures at the bottom, you know, the likes of your Watfords and your Burnleys and your Leeds and your Everton's and all these guys. But we're going at these games with a lot more peace of mind, you know, and we can, we can have a go, you know. I mean, I think it just showed levels. One thing that really pissed me off, just to get your take on this, Lynchman, before we move on, you listen to Match of the Day saying it was a reality check for Newcastle, you know, likes of, I mean, even Lineker, which I thought was really lazy. I think, uh, you know, Lee pulled him for uh, Lee, our, our own Lee from Evermore. He pulled him and said lazy journalism or lazy punditry. It wasn't a reality check at all, James. We know how far away we are from these guys, don't we, mate? Of course we do. But the simple fact is we are now public enemy number one to most fans, to most pundits. Um, we are a huge, huge threat now as a football club, and there is a lot of jealousy 
out there. We know this. We've talked about this before. You know, at one point we were the underdog in the nineties under Keegan. Fans were everyone's favourite second team. We're not that anymore, and we've got to get used to that fast. But I revel in that. You know, I'm I'm pleased that we're at that point where fans are certain fans of football clubs. Gary Lineker being a Leicester fan, for example, we're going to overtake them in the next two or three seasons easily. I mean, yes, they did win the league uh, a few years ago. We've talked about this before on the show. Complete fluke in my eyes, but. We're here to stay now. And, and yeah, we are going to get criticism from fans, but we've got to be strong enough to take that. And uh, look, you know, it's not the levels of talk sport criticism in terms of um, the sensationalism, arguably. I know PK, if he's watching, he loves that there, doesn't he? But um, but but look, yeah, it's it's one of them things. It's You accept it, you take it in your stride and, and you become a better team with it because you want to prove, you know, you want to prove these fans wrong, certain certain sections of, of, of the media. And, and yeah, look, the simple fact is we've just got to get used to it, but but bring it on. There's a real shortage of salt in the supermarkets, isn't there? Because a lot of fans taking it by the by the the liter at the minute, mate. So so absolutely. But listen, we'll, we'll move on from the from the Liverpool game. Again, it was a, it was a bit of a, a disappointing result, but again, we're not going to lick our wounds too much on that. You know, we'll come on to who we got next next time. So what's Mark's just saying? I will come for move on. The idiot that said this crap on match of the day. I'm only saying this crap um, so they don't get kicked out next week's show. <laughs> Same goes for ITV Sky. Yeah, irrelevant. You're totally right, Mark. I mean, they're, they're so desperate, aren't they, really, for just any kind of a, a nibble from us. And I think James has said it so many times in the pod, just don't give them the nibble. I've tried not to myself as well, but sometimes I can't help myself. So moving on to the next section, a, a feel-good story, really. It's been doing the rounds all over the place. You'd have to be on the moon to not see it. Where the lasses? We're going to talk about the fantastic story about the Newcastle uh, United women's team. Obviously, they played us in James's Park for the first time uh, at the weekend. Unbelievable turnout. Over 22,000 showed up for the support. War flags there in attendance. Again, absolutely amazing atmosphere. Amanda Stabley was there. You know, uh, they broke their previous attendance record by 20,000 plus. It was 2,500 against, I think it was uh, Ipswich, put them out in the cup in January. They won 4-0. Great, great result for the girls. Uh, I think the, the number nine is a Katie Barker scored and did a Shearer and then uh, Georgia Gibson skinned about three players and, and became the first uh, lady to score at the uh, Gallagher uh, with a number 10 shot. Maybe she can come in for some maximum next week, possibly, but it's just, a, it's been a fantastic um, turnout, I think, from the fans. And Just coming to you on, on this one first, Mark, it's, it's great to show, I mean, Amanda Staveley said, didn't she, when she took over that she really wanted to invest in the women's team. And, uh, you know, it's really starting to show now, isn't it? I mean, what, what a turnout for the for the girls, mate. Absolutely superb. Absolutely. I mean, that that rise in, in attendance, it is such a... When you compare that to some of the attendances across Premier League and Championship, that it sits above them. Um, it's a great turnout, a great day. They, they put on a performance. Um, I think the key now is is this going forward. And, and with... You know Amanda Stavely's plan that you know she wants this. Um, the, she wants them paid as professionals. She wants this the plan to get them um, into the Super League. I think it was within five years um, to have them, and they'll have the backing. You know this is a a team that has been left in the wilderness effectively by by the previous regime, run through the foundation, hasn't it? So it's it is great to see. It is great to see that more clubs are taking much more. Um, of a, an active interest in their women's teams, and they're not just being run as as some sort of extra entity that it just shouldn't be the way. Um, something like Sunday is just great for 
for the next generation of of young players coming through to see that and go, this is where we could be, and and that ins- that that's an inspiration to them. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen the ins- the inspiration from um, the lionesses over the previous years. Um, even got my daughter involved in wanting wanting to play and watch football. So I've been spending I'd spent nearly ten years trying to get her to do that. So. Things like this are, are, the, are the way that that's going to happen, and it was it was brilliant to see. The atmosphere was was phenomenal. Um, obviously, the war flags again um, with, with the displays. It's just it is great to see, and, and hopefully, this can be the the start of something very very special for them. Lynch managed to bring you in as well. I mean, you know, not to dwell too much on this, but you know, there's, there's been a huge line of people um, queued up to take pot shots at our owners. You know, obviously because of the nature of it and everything else, and they've thrown some real mud there. But I think showing this type of this type of support, I think for the Newcastle women's team, do you think that'll shut some of these guys up as well? You know, in terms of that these guys aren't just here to throw money at the first team and and try and win the league or Champions League. They're, they're going to invest in the whole club. You know, the, the the youth academy and the and the women's team as well. No, I mean it won't shut them up. But look, it's a it's a step in the right direction, isn't it? But um, look, Mark, Mark's made some very, very good points there. It was excellent to see such a huge turnout for a women's game, especially for a game in the fourth tier. You've got to remember they play in the fourth tier, which is absolutely incredible. Um, it is the Division One North that, that they're playing. So, yeah, from all accounts, it was a very, very good performance, as you say, Chris. 4-0 win against one of their local rivals in Anik Town. And I just think like the first team this season, an occasion like Sunday for the women represents the start of a, of a new era. For, for this team, for this football club, years of neglect and years of desertion under the pre- previous regime. But with Amanda Stavely at the forefront of the club now and, and what she's done is just absolutely phenomenal. This is just another another thing to add onto the list. She she has a, such a, a huge, exciting vision for the future of the ladies. And and I'm sure just like the first team this summer, they'll be looking to, to invest heavily in this squad to get them up the leagues. And as Mark said before, to get them as the future, the final goal, to be able to get them into the Super League in the top division. But yeah, great to see the images, great to see the likes of Murdad, Amanda, of course, Eddie Ha was there as well. Um, and yeah, to break that turnout record, uh, I think Manchester United women's team held it previously. This is the biggest this season, I think, from any, from any team in England. And uh, again, it was, it was very affordable from what I heard, only £3 entry on the day. And if you hadn't been lucky enough to get a ticket for the Liverpool game the day earlier, I'm sure you would have been one of the many to attend this fixture. And, you know, something like this, the opportunity to watch competitive football at St. James's Park. And as I said before, if you aren't lucky enough to have a season ticket moving forward, and I know there's several people out there who would sell a kidney for one right now, then maybe this is a good way to get your football fix on a weekly basis to, to go and watch the ladies every weekend. Look, I know they, they play at Druid Park usually in, down in Wolseton, don't they? That's their usual stadium. And I think that's got a two and a half thousand capacity. So maybe something could, could be worked out with, with the club in terms of, of playing a, uh, several more fixtures at St. James's part of the season, because it would be great to see those uh, 22,000 um, audiences on a regular basis. It would, be, it would be brilliant for the club, absolutely. It, it is. It, it's, as Mark rightly says there, it, it, it's such, a, it's such a, a positive, exciting approach for owners to take on a football club you know mark hit the nail in the head there the previous regime ignored you know the women's team ignored a lot of stuff to do with the club you know and, and it's pretty clear that, that they have a vision for the club as you said james as well and i mean it must be so exciting to be involved in the club at any level no matter what level it is whether you're in the youth academy you know your your sons or your daughters are, are in the under nines or you're in the under 
you know, the under 11s or whatever. I know we had a comment there from Jeff. It's maybe not so good in the under 18s at the minute, but it, it was Man City, Jeff, to be fair, who beat us, uh, who beat us 30 nils. So I'm not going to dwell too much on that. But it must be so exciting to be involved with the club now. And, and I think, as we've said before on this pod, moving forward to the next generation for both the men and the women's team, we, we hopefully can be able to court the best players, scout the best players that are out there and really push on, you know, and, and, and inspire the next generation, as Mark rightly said, you know. So I was so proud of the club to see that, you know, doing the rounds, to see, you know, the imagery. There was loads of fan-led media there as well. You know, shout out to the lads from Newcastle Fan TV. They, they've supported the, the women's team for a long time. It was great to see them doing a lot of, uh, of, you know, videos and media there. So go check them out if you haven't already. Absolutely great job, you know. And it's just, it's just a real feel-good factor around the club, you know. And it's I love how it's, it's just resonating to every single corner of the club. And it is it's so exciting to be part of. I've been lucky enough to have gotten a few games there, James, thanks to thanks to your kind of hospitality. Um, it's amazing. You feel it walking into the city. You, it just it, it radiates positivity, excitement, you know, and it, it is it's an amazing, amazing place to be now. And as you rightly said, mate, you have to sell a kidney to get a season ticket. Sadly, mine's been poisoned by too much liquor over the years, so I probably wouldn't get a great deal for it, maybe. <laughs> but it is, it's so exciting to be part of, lads. And yeah, and, uh, we, we thought we'd need to give it a little coverage on the pod. So thank you so much there. So we'll move on to the to the next section, lads. We're going to look at some tune transfer talk. We've got a couple of names to throw out there. It's pretty much striker lucky at the minute because striker seems to be the name on everybody's lips. Lynchman, I'm coming to you first on this. And and, and a man who uh, murdered my beautiful Scotland in the Euros, mate. Uh, you've got to talk to me a little bit about Schick, aren't you, mate? Yes, I am. Yeah, he would be a huge, huge upgrade on, on what we've got, Chris. He's 26 years old, still relatively young, still not at his peak just yet. But he's already a fully-fledged international, as you rightly say. 33 caps for the Czech Republic. He scored 17 goals in that period. As he said there, I think everyone remembers that wonder goal he scored against Scotland in the Euros last year. What a goal that was. I've got very, very fond memories of that. <laughs> but yeah, look, he's, a, he's a very good player. Clinical goal scorer. He's extremely good in the air, predominantly left-footed. Uh, he's quick. He, he's agile. He's elegant in the ball. But he's got very good technique and... Overall, he's pretty much the complete centre-forward, but he can also play as a, as a second striker, and he has played on the right wing in his career as well, but probably going to play him up front. Um, but look, Bayer Leverkusen aren't going to let this guy go easily. He's contracted with them until 2025. I think they paid around £25 million for him a couple of years ago, so you know they're not going to let him go for that amount. You're going to have to pay probably double that, at least, to sign in. But we have the money now, so I can't see... Can't see this one being a big issue. If we really want to go for him, we'll get him. I did read a quote earlier from Rudy Voller, the sporting director at Leverkusen. He said he actually puts Schick in the same category as Lewandowski and, and Haaland, which is a hell of a statement. So you can tell, you know, the sporting director of your club, when he comes out with something like that, you tell you can tell they don't want to let this guy go. And I think it would have to take a really big offer to, to land him. Um, I do believe a striker or, or even two, as you rightly say, Chris, will be our number one priority in terms of position come the 10th of June when the window does open. Um, and and if, look, if we can't get the likes of Darwin Nunes or, or Paulo Dybala, which are probably our top two targets, then someone like Patrick Schick would be a, would be a brilliant alternative. I think he'd be a future number nine and a top, top player in this team. Absolutely. For me, I think he's the perfect striker for, for what we need. I think he, he can do what Wilson can do. I think he can do 
you know, what, what Wood can do in terms of the headers and winning the ball and bringing it down and everything else, but do it a hell of a lot better. Uh, he was superb in the Euros, <laughs> absolutely amazing. He really, really was. I'm surprised somebody didn't try and go for him after that, really. But obviously, he stayed at Leverkusen. He's still got a great goal scoring record, you know, this season. You know, he's what, he's 26 as well. He's coming into kind of the, the peak years of being a centre forward. I would absolutely love to get this lad, James, 100%. Uh, I'd be all over that if, if we get that done. Um, as you rightly say, you know, we're going to be up against it for the likes of your, your Dabalas and your Nunezes and, and things like that. Schick, to me, looks like he fits the mould of, of what we'd be looking to do. I think Eddie Howe would get a lot out of him. Um, just before we move on to the next target, Mark, what, what's your take on Schick? Do you think he'd be a good fit in Newcastle, mate? Yeah, I think he fits a bill attitude-wise that we've we've seen that at international level. I think at, at, at Leverkusen as well, you, you know, he's he's coming into form in his career he's not been overly prolific before but with i think he's starting to see the very best of him as he's coming into his prime years and i think that just that shows that the level that he's at and the level that he can he can still build to as well and i just think he he does he fits that mold of of a, a newcastle a current newcastle style of signing a proper number nine as well, isn't he? I think he, he could yeah. he could get loads of goals. He could win his games kind of on his own, really. So ju just moving on to some other targets, mate. We've got um, a lad from AC Milan that we're going to come to you on, Mark, which is, uh, is it Rafael? Is it Lau? Liao. Liao. I, I think I'm saying that right. We'll, we'll get James's Leo. input on that. Leo. I was going to say, J J James is the man to pronounce it. What is he, James? Yeah, Rafael Liao. That's, that's right, Mark. Absolutely, absolutely. Mark. But yeah, this this I'm lad looks nippy, mate. He looks nippy and tricky, doesn't he? But he's more of a, he's not a centre forward, is he? He's more of a kind of wide forward, isn't he? He's, he's, he's a left, sort of left sided, wide forward, right footed, likes to cut in, full of pace, full of, full of skill, um, knows where the, where the, where the goal is. Um, he, Again, is it? I mean, he is young. He's twenty-two. He's again coming into form. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of the best of, of what he can do. Um, season so far, he's he's played thirty-nine. He's scored thirteen, seven assists in all competitions. So he's providing goal contributions um, in in all those, you know, in all those competitions. Um, he is a Portuguese international. He's yet to score for them, but he's only played a handful of games. Um, but he will be, yeah, I think, again, you're looking at somebody who's the potential to replace St. Maximum because he plays in that same left-sided role. Um, it's a, it's an odd, maybe it's an odd deal um, if you if you look at it because I know Milan are looking that they want to bring in um, Sven Botman um, to play at the back. Um, and there are the, the, the reports that potentially that that sale is to is to help them um, fund other deals. So it could be a, a case of of selling layout to, to buy Botman. Does that work in Newcastle's favour, given that Botman is still a target, um, or have they, they they let that one go now and, and move on to the to attacking options? It seems to be mostly attacking options now that we're seeing linked. Um, but it's uh, it's certainly a deal that would, again, it's it suits the the current ethos of the club. Somebody that is young and hungry and and wanting to to improve, and and I think could just go on to get better and better and better. I think I think um, in terms of the attacking line, you know, we were talking about this in the chat I think at the weekend as well. 
outside of Wilson, really, let's be honest, let's be frank, outside of Callum Wilson when he's fit, which is about 60% of the time of the season, they're not great. You know, St. Maxman has the ability to win a game. But how many games does he actually turn up for? I was asking people, when was the last time you saw him have one of those games? And it was probably Everton was the last time he had one of those games. Uh, he's been very poor since then, lost the ball a lot. Everyone's, you know, tried to put their arm around him. You know, War Flags did that amazing display for him. But he's still losing the ball. You know, Crystal Palace, that clip was going around of him dancing around. He was doing fuck all, really. He was just dancing on the sideline. The Palace player was just looking at him and going, well, go on then. And as soon as he moved, he probably would have got tackled and lost the ball. So I'm all for looking at left-hand sided players and right-hand sided players as well, mate, that can play across the front three. And this lad looks like he can. He's got pace to burn. He's composed. He's got a nice trick to him as well. But he looks direct. He looks he looks like he could have an end product. And let's be honest, at the minute, between Miggy and Sir Maximum, neither one of them's got an end product. You know, so I, th- I think we we desperately need to be looking at players that can fit across a front three if we're going to stick in that in that style as well, mate. One hundred percent. So yeah, it's it's exciting to be to be linked to a player that quality. The, the last player is one I'm going to cover, um, which could be a little bit out there because they want some big money for him. So it's Napoli's Victor Ozzyman, which uh, that might be a, a familiar name to some people because he he banged in a, a lovely brace against Leicester at the back end of last season uh, in Europe. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, something like Louis Walsh here. It reminds me a lot of uh, of Demba Bar, um, but he's got a bit more pace to him. He, he's a very adaptive striker. I think he scored a beautiful goal against Leicester where the ball looked it was ahead of him and he kind of flicked the foot out and flicked it over the keeper, which was very Demba Bar-esque when he was, when he was at Newcastle. You know, he's only 23 years old. He's got 23 goals in 48 for Napoli, 10 goals and 20 appearances for Nigeria. But they want mega money for this lad. They're talking about... 84 million quid. I think Mark, you said Manchester United have already been sniffing and uh, possibly put a bid in. Apparently, he's a boyhood Man United fan, but who the hell's not when they're 23 years old? Isn't they? Let's be honest with you. Yeah, I think the, the report I just read before was that, that um, Manchester United were had bid 100 million euros, which is it works out about 84 million quid. Um, Napoli are holding out for 110 million euros, so they want mega bucks for him. Um, is it is that going to be a doable deal in the current sort of circumstances? That would eat up a huge amount of, of transfer budget. I, I can't see that being being a deal that gets done for that sort of figure. Um, one of the others, if that's going to be half the price, then maybe. But eighty four million pound is is a, is a huge amount to to fork out for the player. When you're in this this stage of, of the project that that's going on at St James's, absolutely, and Schick could be better value for what he's James rightly said. You know, if you're sixty odd million quid for someone like Schick, who you know you've seen, you know, can do it as well, and he's he's done it against Premier League defenders, so possibly you know this uh, this 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 guy might be the better option there as well. So we've got the comments there, Mark saying with AC Milan on the verge of winning Serie A, do we think? He uh, would have a chance of signing uh, Liao and then getting the Champions League football next year. Yeah, it could be a bit difficult, mate. I mean, he, he might be alerting some of the other teams as well that can give him Champions League. Yeah, we'd all, we'd all love to see it happen, mate, as well. We've got Stu in the comments. Good to see you back, Stu. I want to see us uh, get Brennan Johnson from Forest. Oh, you'll set die off, Stu. Anything to set a Welsh player off at the targets, mate. Uh, die, I'll be straight in the comments in a minute. <laughs> if I just jump in there, lads, I think one that um, we talked about this before we went live, I think one that will happen is Jesse Lingard. I mean, from what I've been reading, he sounds like he does want to join us. He wanted to come on loan in January, but the club didn't didn't let him go. We all know what happened there. Um, I still find that very strange how they didn't let him go out on loan. I mean, he's hardly kicked the ball for Man United. 
um, since then. And look, I think we've only really got competition, as you know, from West Ham on this one. I can't see any other club in the Premier League or, or possibly in Europe going in for Lingard because he hasn't played so in such a long time. And maybe certain clubs see him as a bit of a gamble. But West Ham might have other, other targets in mind now. You know, they've progressed as a club since then. Um, and look, I do think the only thing that we will be able to offer over West Ham is, is the wages. We'll be able to pay him more money. Um, but if, if West Ham do win the Europa League, look, they'll be in the Champions League next season. And that's always such a huge pull for players. Um, the thought of Champions League football, going to the Bernabeu, going to you know, the new camp. It's, you dream of things like that are, don't you? That, that might sway for Jesse Lingard. So we want to hope if, if, they, if we do want to sign him that West Ham get knocked out uh, possibly tomorrow night. But yeah, I think that's going to depend on the outcome of that. But I, but I, I am confident that Lingard will happen. I, I've been saying this for a while. I think I think the Lingard one could be one of the first deals we do. I think I think Lingard brings real quality as well to the squad. You know, there's been a few people that have questioned whether we should get him. We've moved on at better targets and everything else. This this lad is a player. There's no doubt about that. I, you know, I, I was I was one of his biggest critics at one point. I used to tell Mark he was overrated because he was out of sight, out of mind. And then when he went to to West Ham. He reminded us all of what a player he really was. He carried them into to wins, to points, you know, and he, he's a real big, big time player in terms of he shows up when you need him to. And you can't have enough of those players in your squad. It's an interesting one, Mark. I think you heard some stories about Manchester United and Ten Hags possibly wanting to, to talk to Jesse, but there was, a I think his brother's been a bit, a bit gobby is probably the right word I think to use there. He's been posting on social media about how he feels like his brother's been a little bit done over here. So uh, do you think Ten Hag can rescue this mate or not? Well, yeah, I, th I think he. There, there were again. It was reports that Ten Hag, Ten Hag wanted to come in and, and, and sit down with him once he comes in at the end of the season and just see what what the next event. I, I do think he rates him and would potentially want to keep him keep him around the club. He is, you know, he's he's been at Manchester United his entire career, bar that loan spell, really. So, it he's going to want players with a, with a little bit of history around. But I think are those bridges burned now with with the way that things have gone? Um, certainly, I don't think his brother's helped an awful lot. Um, and then there's the potential that he has been the the dressing room mole that has let let out stories from from within the club. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I, I, I tend to agree with with James. I think it is the most likely transfer that happens. It can happen quickly. It can happen with very minimal fuss. Um, we're not talking transfer fees that are being agreed, but as it would understand that there's been an offer of a of a contract on the table already for him. So that's that's one to to kind of possibly get the ball rolling in the summer as well. If he's the maybe he's the first one through the door. Um, but yeah, I think like James says, definitely the most likely to happen. I think he'll give you that that kind of uh, experienced player too, you know, a bit like Trippier did. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he's the same character as Trippier. You know, I'm sure you'd love to get in the dance moves with uh, Joe Litton and Bruno, I'm sure. But uh, but I think he certainly give you, you know, big kind of game experience, you know. And, and again, that, that can help the likes of Willick develop and players like that as well, you know. So I think it would be a good shout. Just in the comments there, lads, I don't know if one of you want to take this. Larry Strawberry said, is anyone familiar with, uh, is that Noni do, is it Moduke from PSV, right winger, left-footed, English and very talented? Do you, either one of you two know about that lad? I can't say I do. I'll be perfectly honest with you, no. Um, no. I, I haven't watched an awful the, lot of the, PSV. The only, the only PSV game I've seen this season was when they played Leicester in the Conference League quarter-final. 
So I took yeah. a bit of an interest in that game because I do believe we were playing them, weren't we, on the uh, on the Sunday after that, the, the Easter weekend. Um, I don't remember him even playing in, in, in that game, if I'm honest with you. Um, no, I, from what I remember, I, I would have, I would because I, I tend to research these players afterwards. I can't remember him playing in those games unless he was injured. I don't know. Does Larry yeah. want to, to give, offer us a little bit of insight? And we'll get yeah, him on the show next week. Let's <laughs> let's know, Larry. Yeah, he, he sounds like he's a, he's obviously a player, mate. If, if you've identified, I'm sure he is. There's a lot of players who who you know English players who go abroad to you know to make their name. Look at like to Jaden Sancho. Obviously, Bellingham's done a a similar thing as well at Dortmund. So, yeah, there's a good chance the kid could be a real player. And as you say, it looks like they're going back for Ekatike. Yeah, we spoke about Ekatike, I think, on last week's show, didn't we, lads? Um, no doubt he'll add, he'll add quality to the squad. There's no question about that. You know, there's a real, what's the word? There's a, I wouldn't want to say hyperbole, but there's, there's a big expectation on Ekatike, isn't there? I think you said, James, he's been called the next Mbappe, which is huge pressure on the young lad's shoulders. Um, everybody says that, you know, Harry Kane's the next Shearer, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's probably just the French equivalent. But, I mean, just a little bit of Nekatika, I know we covered him last week, mate. Do you think we've got a chance for that one as well, mate? Or do you think that ship has sailed and maybe we have moved on from there? Yes, I do. I think, you know, I don't think he's a number one target, though. I think things have changed. Things will change in the summer. I think we were, there was a little bit of desperation in January, wasn't there, from from what we remember, the deadline day, you know, we had to get someone through the through the door. And I think he was a bit of a... Not a punt, um, but I, again, we talked about this on last week's show. I can understand completely why he didn't want to come at the time. We were in a relegation battle. Things have completely changed since then. Blank slate, start afresh. We're going to be bringing in six or seven upwards. Could even bring in as many as eight or nine in the summer. It depends on how much they want to spend. He's not going to cost you a fortune with him, with him being young, but he is a gamble, simple as that. But again, if the likes of your, your Patrick Schicks, you possibly, you're, you're, you know, your Darwin Nunes's, your Alexander Rysaks, they are the very, very top of the target list. If we can't, for whatever reason, get them, then Ekatike, I'm sure, will um, will be a huge consideration for the club. But I don't think he's a number one target right now. Absolutely, mate. There was a name that got thrown around a little bit, Mark, wasn't there? Which I think um, you saw some news on that. that I was getting a bit excited about it, it was Dabala. I know the wages were going to be huge for the lad, but obviously free transfer, a hell of a player, just an absolute superstar. Um, people have talked about him coming to the Premier League before, but it looks like Inter might be closing in. Is he going to be one of them players that just stays in one league for his whole career? Kind of a possibly, thing? Well, possibly now he's he's there, I think, staying there. I think his preferred preferred option was Inter. I think it was reported in uh, La Gazetta um, earlier on today, I think before other news let, uh, out, outlets started to pick up on it. Um that he'll, he'll go there. I think at one point they were looking at an absolutely monumental signing on fee that he wanted um, to, to come to England, um, looking in the in sort of 12 to 20 odd million pound in, in terms of a signing on fee, and then huge wages on top of that. Um, that was always going to be a difficult one. And I think staying in Italy, he's comfortable. Um, and obviously the with the way that Inter have, have been recently, that I suppose that sort of makes some sense for him to to, to stay there, and um, he's not going to have to up sticks massively. And he knows the league, he knows everybody that's that's playing, it, and that, it looks like the that's his his going to be his his destination. Yeah, I think we've got to be a bit realistic on on Dybala, lads. You know, this guy has got the pick of any club in Europe. He's one of the best players in in Europe. You know, I mean, he won Champions League football next season. Simple fact. He's yeah. he's yeah. that's the level he deserves to be playing at. 
uh, for his age as well. And as much as I think he'd be a tremendous fit for the club, I mean, he'd, he'd walk into any team, probably get Man City's team. I think, as as you rightly say, in Milan, or, or possibly even somewhere like Real Madrid, um, depending on, on, on if they want to they want to go in for him, yes. which again they're going to they're going to afford him. So possibly Real Madrid, but yeah, Inter Milan's probably his his destination. I would say on that one. Yeah. And he's put himself in a great position, hasn't he? Being a free agent, you know, he can kind of negotiate what he wants. Uh, Dan is a man after your own heart, Mark. He's just looked up um, as a Madukian football manager. He looks class. So well done, Dan. You and Mark would get on like a house on fire, mate. Absolutely. We'll have to do. We'll have to do a bit on Madukia next next week's show, lads. Well, we'll do. We'll, mate. we'll, he's, we'll, he's, we'll he's get him on next week's show. Is he pronouncing it better? He says he doesn't know the lad and he's pronouncing it better than I am. <laughs> I can tell you what you like. And uh, what Mark's just saying, he remembers hearing about the lad while he was at Spurs. Oh, interesting, mate. Real bright future. We're surprised to see him leave for PSV. Very Jaden Sancho-esque, it sounds like. And, and Larry's come back. Was there any news on Aaron Hickey? I remember being linked a while back. Scottish fullback. I should probably know that one, mate, shouldn't I? Plays for Bologna for the moment. So, uh, so I want for you know, there, Chris. I was going to say, Bologna. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> Bologna. Sorry, mate. God, I'm having a mare tonight. I'm thinking of me tea. Bologna. Bologna. Um, yeah, so that, I haven't heard anything about that, mate. But the left-back one's an interesting one. I think Matty Target has definitely played his way into being that man. You know, we spoke about this. I think Mark on pitch pattern didn't we, in terms of the, you know, the the deal for Target. It's got to be done in my eyes. I think, uh, you know, he's more than earned his, his, his right, really, to, to play for Newcastle. I think the lad enjoys it here. I think he's enjoying his football. He enjoys being part of it, much like Trippier on the other side. He's probably very excited about where this can go, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'd be shocked if we don't tie up um, Matty Target. It may be someone like Hickey's possibly a fullback or something like that. Who knows? As a, a backup, sorry. Who knows? You know, but I think definitely Target is going to be the the main man. I don't see any reason why you, you go outside of that, to be to be brutally honest with you, mate. So, so move, moving on from there. This- Sorry, Mark. Just to, I was going to say, just to jump in, Hickey has been linked with several Premier League clubs already. Okay. Um, he was heavily linked with with Villa in the in the January window um, before Luca Dean signed. Um, he's also been linked with Arsenal as well. Um, so he is he is a, a man in demand, um, mm. and and from the looks of it, is a is a very accomplished left back. Um, so if, he's, if, he's, if he's any, if he's as hard as good as Andy Robertson. Get him signed up. What, what, why, why can Scotland only produce left backs? I know, left backs. Like, it's thing, haven't they? It's like, with left it's like Scotland, ten, haven't ten on one side, isn't it? Like, what, what are the fucking positions? Like, what are they doing up there? What are the coaching players like? Unbelievable, honestly. My, my kingdom for a centre forward. Jesus Christ. Left back, left back, left back. My God. So just before we move on, I think we've got one more comment there. Ever. Absolutely agree with Target. Yep. Uh, I, I'm sure fullback isn't a priority for them right now. I don't think so. Like I think you're right. I think Matty Target has just been immense. I think outside of that as well, him and Dan Byrne have got a really good relationship going with that left-hand side. And I think they just seem to be getting better and better every game. Obviously, at the weekend, you know, that was world-class opposition, you know, and then we've got world-class opposition. Nice little segue moving into the next game, which is uh, is City. So it doesn't get any easier for us. So uh, coming to you first on this one, Lynchman, Um I'm not as confident about this one as I possibly was about Liverpool <laughs> because we were we were at home on that one. Uh, Man City, a, a superb. Yes, they've got a, a massive game this evening, you know, and uh, it could take a hell of a lot out of them, but they could literally field five amazing squads and probably finish in the top six. Um, so, you know, what is, what is your opinion on this game, mate? Do you give us a hope in hell's chance? Man City is always the hardest fixture uh, in this season, um, especially away. You know, it's, it's the game you dread, really, when you see the fixtures at the start of the season. You always kind of pinpoint that one as 
you know, and at one point, as you said before, you know, when Eddie Howe came in, you were looking at that running we had, thinking, my word, we better be safe by then. Because if we had to then beat Liverpool, Man City and Arsenal and go to Burnley on the last last day of the season, I wouldn't have fancied our chances. Thank God we're not in that position just uh, at the moment. But yeah, look, our away form hasn't been particularly great lately, has it? Yes, we beat Norwich, you know, Norwich and Norwich, let's be fair, but we did get battered battered at Spurs and we lost at Everton and, and, and we lost at Chelsea. And look, I wish I could sit here now and, and say we'll win this game, but I just can't see it. We've got a terrible record at the Etihad as well, let's be fair, lads. And look, you know, we previewed the, the Liverpool game on last week's show and I could easily just sit sit here and say the exact same thing as what I said last week. They are the, the best team in the world or the second best team at Liverpool. Every player in, in, in every position is world-class, no weaknesses at all. They are clinical they're ruthless uh, and they'll punish you if you're not at your very, very best. I think with the Liverpool game, with, with being at home, that atmosphere, war flags, 52,000 screaming chorries, we had a slim chance of getting something there. I just can't say the same thing for this game, unfortunately. I think even the most biased Toon fan will probably say the same thing. And I'm not being defeatist here. I hope people don't think I'm being defeatist. I'm just being realistic. The fact that Eddie Howe has got to save with five, six games to go is one of the best achievements from any manager this season. And really... The Liverpool game last week, the Man City game on Sunday, they're pretty much a free hit. Just go out there and express yourselves. We've got nothing riding on this game but pride. Uh, and again, like I said at the start of the show, it's no shame in losing to a team like Man City. We're just not at their level yet. It's, that's a simple fact. It's going to take a few years to get to where they are, challenging for all four major trophies season after season. They do it. And look, they've only lost three games in the league this season. They've won 26 they're at the top of the league for a reason. We've got a we've got a terrible record at the Etihad, as I said previously. Uh, we've we've not won there in the league since 2000, 22 years ago, and I don't see that record uh, being broken on, on Sunday. Unfortunately, yeah, we did we did win there once in a League Cup game back in 2014, I think it was, but they weren't at, at full strength that day. Man City, they did make a lot of changes. So yeah, I think we've got to be realistic here, lads. I think we've got to be looking at the Arsenal home game under the lights following Monday. And the, and the Burnley game on the last last day of the season as more realistic opportunities to, to pick up points and hopefully we'll win those two last games and, and end the season on a high. Score prediction, James? Man City to win 3-0. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a similar mind as well. Mark, just to bring you in on this one, uh, I think James has pretty much summed it up there. You know, we, we haven't really got a chance of beating probably Man City's first, second or third team. Maybe the under nines would probably give us a good challenge as well, to be brutally honest with you. Or, or the under 18s, as, uh, as was in the comments earlier, mate. But uh, I, th- I just I can't see us getting anything really in this game. Uh, if I, I'd be nice to see anyhow, maybe make some changes, uh, bring some players out, bring some players in. Maybe drop the likes of Shelby, give Longstaff a 90-minute game or something. Do you think Eddie will do that or do you think he'll go full strength and try and get something out of this game? I think he will. I think he's going to be full strength. I think he will play everybody that he can possibly play because you want to test what you've got against the very best. And to, to come into the end of the season and make those sort of maybe wholesale changes would, would could end in utter disaster. Um Think he will play with with what he knows best now, um, and, and try and and do as much as as he can. Um, I, I tend to agree. I, I don't like being defeatist. Um, not defeatist, but I don't like you sort of look dwell on the fact that that they are the very best, really. Um, but you just can't look past them. They are so good, no matter who plays. Um, and 
Jeff, I think, yes, I think he probably does. I think you need a focal point. And, and I think we, we, well, James touched on it earlier on. St. Maximum's not a centre forward and, and will get lost up against their, their defenders. You, you need somebody to at least give them a bit of a battle, know they've been in a game, and hopefully work with the likes of, of St. Maximum or Miggy to, to play off him and, and try and run in behind their defenders. They'll, they're not quite the same high line as, um, as Liverpool, but they do. Their defence is so effective um, and, and it will be very, very tough. And you, you you want somebody like to just really give them a bit of a battle. Interesting comment from Mike. Do you think we can see Trippier making an appearance, Mark? Do you think, do you think Trippier will, will make an appearance or not? I don't think he'll be risked. Um, if there's any doubt whatsoever, you, you're not going to risk him a few games before the end of the season because that could potentially ruin next next season for him. So if he's if there's no... You know, there's no sort of thinking that this could um, this could cause any problems. Yes, he might make some sort of an appearance. I, I very much doubt he'll start. Um, he hasn't played in in, a, <laughs> in quite a while now, so um, maybe he's a, a bit off the bench. Um, I would possibly suggest that the more likely one for that would probably be back at St James's because the if he's anywhere near fit for them to come off the bench at St James's, the reception is just going to be extraordinary. Um, yeah. So, I think that's possibly the most likely, most likely outcome. It'd be electric, wouldn't it, in that Arsenal game if he, if he's playing against them, especially with his Tottenham background as well. He'd probably have a little bit of added incentive in there too. What's your score prediction, Mark? What are you going for? Are you the same as the Lynch man? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think Newcastle's record at the Etihad, like like James says, isn't good. Um, they are on such a roll. I, I suppose it, it'll. A lot again. I think I, we've said this in the in pitch battle maybe last week that it sort of depends on what happens tonight. If City lose, they're going to be out for for revenge on anybody, and if they win, they're going to be they're going to be on a, on such a hard. They might just take their foot a little bit off the gas and not be quite as as aggressive going forward. But it's, I don't every, think every game Man City play now is a cup final. Well, they can't yeah, afford they to lose any single game. Liverpool literally right behind them. One slip up from Man City, Liverpool win the league. They Dan can't believes. afford that. D- Dan believes, lads. What? I don't know what's in the water in Yeovil, but Dan believes. Come on, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you thinking, no. Mark? 3-0, three, 4-0? Three, no? no? What are you thinking? Uh, I think three is probably realistic. And I don't think that's... There's no shame in that defeat either. Yeah, you can. You're in that stage, and we we talked about the stage of the project. You're in that that voice. We 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 know that Newcastle aren't anywhere near that level, and going away to Manchester City, who are the best side in the league at the moment, along with Liverpool, there's no shame in losing to them. And three nils about average for them, so there's absolutely no shame. So just go in and put a performance. And if if you go in and show that that level of commitment and performance against them, and still lose, fine, we can accept that. Um, just don't do some of the the performances that you, we've seen in under under Bruce, for example. I don't think we'll ever see that. I, I, then, I hope it's I hope it's not a repeat of Spurs. That's why I'll probably just finish yeah, on that. We were it, we were it, absolutely it, it shocking against Spurs. Yeah, so it many mistakes, and, and you don't want to see us get four, five, six nil. That would no. be because that that's not a fair reflection of where we're at now. We're a good team right now. We're not an elite team. We can't yeah. compete with Man City just yet, but I just think, you know, maybe 2 3 nil. I don't think it would be the worst result in the world. You move on, you go again against Arsenal. 
if you make mistakes against those guys, you could end up in a real with a real spanking, couldn't you? You know, like that. And even before you know it, you could be four nil down. But yeah, I'm I'm very much of a similar mindset to you guys. You know, I was going to say four nil, Chris Wood hat trick, but then uh, just for the crack, but obviously not. And uh, I I think we'll get beat maybe three nil, three one. We'll be lucky for a sneaky little goal in or something like that here and there. But you know, again, as daft as it sounds. It's not a disgrace to be beaten by a team of that quality by by those margins. I think, as Mark rightly said, as long as we put in a shift, you know, and the lads do themselves proud. And I think the way Eddie Howe has us playing and the professionalism and the, you know, you can see the lads want to win and then they don't like to lose games. I mean, Bruno apologised when we got beat off Liverpool. It's one of the best teams in the world, you know. So I think the lads have got a professional pride about them. And I think that they will turn up and they will put a shift in as best as they can. But I just think that we're, we're against just such elite opposition, as, as James rightly called them there. And they could blow anybody away. You know, they're playing Real Madrid tonight. I know Real Madrid aren't the Galacticos of old, but they've got some unbelievable footballers in that squad, match winners, you know, just absolute superstars. We don't really have those players. Arguably, Bruno is kind of our superstar, but outside of that, they're all just all right players. Um, so, yeah, we, we'll have to have our lads at a 10, 100% even get anything out of this game. And, and I just think that City will have too much for us. Yeah, and I, I think either 3-0 uh, or 3-1 if we're, if we're lucky to sneak a goal through, lads. But as James rightly said, after that, you're looking at the Arsenal game. You know, you're looking at Burnley, you know, to try and finish the season strong. And, and hopefully we can do. Larry's in the comments there saying, if we can deliver a performance similar to Liverpool game, yeah, then we can be proud. Absolutely, Larry. There's no question about that. We're talking about two of the best teams on the planet and probably two of the best teams for the past, what, decade or so of football. You know, two of the, the best, the best teams in the, history, in the history of the game, mate. Two of the best club teams in the history of the game. Is two. In, yeah, certainly 100%. in my lifetime, I can't remember seeing, seeing two better teams than absolutely. these two right now. Champions League winning sides, you know what I mean? There, there could be any team, any elite team in Europe on the day. So, yeah, as long as the lads turn up, you know, and put a good shift in, then absolutely we'll, we'll have something to be proud of. But that's us all wrapped up for this week, lads. Thank you so much to everybody in the comments tonight. Love having you on board and chatting away. Great to have the show flowing. And again, as I mentioned at the start, if you haven't liked or subscribed, please do so. We're looking to try and break that 300 subscriber mark. Uh, and then after that, we'll be looking to go for 400. So no pressure, guys. Just come on and join us and ever more. It's a, thanks for obviously the lads tonight for joining us, boys, and talking about Newcastle as always. Thank you, guys. Enjoy it, mate. Thanks very much. What, one little plug while while we're here is, is okay. just if you haven't already checked it out, um, check out the Eddie Howe um, special video that we put out uh, yesterday. Um, on how how he's changed United. Um, so if you give that a watch, let us know what you think in the comments. Um, yeah, um, just a little bit of a plug for ourselves, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've, I watched I watched it yesterday. It's 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 brilliant. Really, really worth watching. It is. Mark's done an unbelievable job on the stats as well, guys. Better stats than you'll get on Sky Sports. That's for damn sure. So make sure you check them out. Got some great comments there. Yeah, Larry's joined the show. Thanks, Jeff. And Larry, subscribe. Top man, Larry. Great to have you on board. Good and Dan saying cheers, guys. Absolutely. So until then, lads, let's keep supporting the team. We'll call United. We'll be back next week with some more evermore. Have a good night, everybody. And we'll catch you later. Take care, guys. Take care.